Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is Melissa Wimbish, Britt Olson Ecker. And I guess with your powers combined, you become alcohol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really glad to have you guys on. It's, um, I mean, your music is really, really cool and is doing something different. How would you describe, I know that genre is kind of BS anyways nowadays, but what, how would you describe your music? Oh, such a million dollar question for alcohols. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we love to just write songs in so many different genres. Um, we have that classical edge, pop, Pretty much everything, Melissa. What else? My favorite description so far is c- cinematic. Yes, and I think cinematic. That's, that, that totally, yeah, cinematic is a uh, definitely a nod to our our background in in performance and stage performance, and mm. everything we have created so far. When I think back to the conversations Britt and I have had while we're making these songs. And even the way we communicate with the musicians we work with, we're always setting some kind of um, stage. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. A scene. Like, yeah. Oh, here's yeah. What's yeah. Happening. And it, yeah. You know, it's a, that's just the way we communicate. And I'm sure a lot of other people communicate that way. Great. I'm not saying it's anything super original, but that's how our how our music. Yeah. I think that we about. see like the music video first sometimes. And then that informs the way we laid the tracks down in the studio. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, how did you guys get to know each other? How did this begin? Oh, it all began uh, many years ago. I mean, like 10 years ago now, I feel like we met each other. It's been a, no- a long time. And it's I, been I, I wonder time. if we both have different versions of how we met. <laughs> my, my, my big memory is we had a an audition for a theater company and we met in this little park with a mutual friend who was also auditioning for that company. And we all ran our monologues for each other. And I was like, I'm going to make that bitch my friend. Ah, I love that. That's my favorite. I immediately loved her. And I think it still took a while before we really had a chance to develop a friendship because we just just didn't run in the same circles in that way. And then of course the biggest memory for me with, as far as music and finally, um, like coming together on that was when we did an open mic and Britt was there and she did a reading of a poem that she had written. And I had a, a band there that was a band that had been playing for a, a theater company that she was involved in. We were just kind of like the pit band for that, um, for that production. And Britt, anyway, Britt was there and uh, I just remember getting pretty drunk and, yeah. and being like, <laughs> You should be in this band. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's it, it was like the single carrot days, the early single carrot days of auditioning for this theater company, getting to know each other, being involved in music in these productions. And then, yeah, basically doing this 90s hip hop and R&B cover band. Hmm. And then how did that kind of evolve into what Outcalls became? Melissa started singing without calls a few years before I joined. Um, right? I think it was a little over a year, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
enough time for mm-hmm. the band, enough time for the band to rehearse uh, like pretty regularly on a weekly basis. And we recorded our first EP. And then what, as we were putting the finishing touches on the first EP, the engineer and band le- self-proclaimed band leader at the time was, was disappointed with some of the keyboards and w- wanted a different, wanted a different sound for the keyboards. And of course, Britt's name came up and he asked her to do it. And then it was like this segue into, Hey, why don't you just be in the band? Which was right. awesome. And then it turned out to be their undoing. <laughs> yeah. We took over. <laughs> Melissa always talks about this one time, we were at maybe, at maybe at that same bar. And we were at the same bar. That's what's Which so great. Which is so funny. Liam's. I don't even, that's it was right. Liam we, and we we would we played together. Melissa and I would just play these you know open mics together, and I I don't remember this, but she told me that I like whispered to her, "Let's take over the band," or something along those lines. For, well, I don't I. Th- <laughs> I I whispered it to you, I think, but who knows with as much alcohol that there was. (laughs) Perfect. See, I'm not even remembering it correctly. But yeah. No, but no, but that's, that's totally, it was the same bar and yeah, we, it was, uh, but Evan had, Evan, I hate saying his name, but whatever. (laughs) Evan had, um, you know, he was there at that same open mic and I, and I, I don't remember if we all played together, but whatever. The point is Brit wasn't in the band yet. Then she was asked, she was formally asked to be in the band. And after many drinks, either she or I were like, <laughs> let's, let's take over these, you know, these motherfuckers don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the beginnings of, yeah. of out calls. Yeah. Um, so then I guess a little bit into your background, I guess, like how, how did either of you get started in music, but then how it kind of became into this pop cinematic opera, whatever you would call the <laughs> genre. Um, because I, I think that, uh, I, I toe the line between the two as well, between, uh, classical music and pop music or contemporary music. And I feel like sometimes classical musicians are scared to go into pop world. And then contemporary musicians like don't know anything about classical world. Mm-hmm. And so I guess how, how, how do you guys cross that bridge? Do you want to start Melissa? You go ahead. You, you go first. Sure. Um, well, I, I, came to music school with an open mind. I loved theater. I loved performing. I loved doing all types of music. I loved all listening to all types of music. And I remember like my huge fear as a freshman going into school was um, that nobody was going to listen to like pop music. I was going to be surrounded by people mm-hmm. who just listened to classical music, which of course is is totally nuts. Um, but I always wanted <laughs> a I always wanted a really broad education and I actively pursued opportunities beyond the walls of the conservatory. I auditioned for uh, musicals, theater. I sang, uh, I studied jazz. I, I took lessons from the jazz teacher and just wanted to give myself a really well-rounded education. I never thought I would be in a band. I thought I would continue to do theater and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it ended up becoming, 
exactly what I what I wanted and what I needed. This performing in this band is all of the things that I want to do in one, which is great. So that's just yeah. that's a little bit about my background. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have I have a very similar well mindset about it. Um, I I never ever wanted to be an opera singer because I didn't even know what <laughs> opera was. I grew up in Kansas and we didn't like, you know, it just wasn't part of the, it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar at all until I started auditioning for musical theater programs. Cause I loved musical theater, but basically everybody that I auditioned for and came in contact with to prepare me for auditions pushed me in the direction of opera. And I thought, fuck it, I'll do this. And mm -hmm. then maybe at some point I'll be able, I'll be good enough for musical theater. And it, it, it that never happened. I did, I did fall in love with my teachers and my, uh, and what I was learning, but much like Brit, I, um, well, I just never, um, I didn't know anything about opera. So here I am like in conservatory and everybody's referencing, Oh, Leonardo Di Figaro, and what role did you do in Same. this? And I, was, I could never hang with those conversations. You Same. Know? That's funny. I don't think we've ever talked about that, but it's so <laughs> true. And I just was so turned off by it. Yes. Yes. Me too. I mean, I, I was, there's part of me that thought I should know this, but then I never did i never figured it any of it out i thought if i'm doing the opera then i'll learn about it and that's great and i can say that any of the operas that i've done of course like i i learn about them and i appreciate them but i cannot tell you what the fuck happened in any opera that i haven't been in myself <laughs> just because you know it's just it's never been a part of it's never been a part of yeah. my, my desire to right to beef up on that history i just wanted to learn how to sing well and yes, opera exactly, just happened to exactly. be one of the one of the features of that. So um, yeah, but another thing, and I think Britt would agree with this. We uh, another reason I believe a lot of classical artists are uh, have that wall up is because they're taught they have to. Yes, they're taught that they mm. need to just pick something, and even yes. within the walls of of classical uh, training, you're taught. Well, you're a classical singer, but you need to decide if oh you're going to be early gosh. music or or you know 17th yes. century, or are you going to do bel canto? Or did it? So it's it, it's a lot of. Um, being told that you need to decide. Yeah, I remember a teacher telling me that in a summer program that I did. You know, she said something along the lines of, uh, you need to choose. I can hear it in your voice. And I remember being so turned off. I remember even journaling about it, being like, fuck this person. Sorry, Santiago. I don't know if we're allowed to curse no, you, on you this. Can, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but I remember just being like, why do I have to choose? Why do I have to choose? There's, why should I limit myself? That's it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I kind of felt that too. And I guess a little background on me, but like I, uh, I did vocal music education for two years. Um, and then I changed majors to music production and it, I was never quite in either world enough either mm. because I, whenever I was in like, classical world with like vocal music uh like yeah i learned bel canto style singing and stuff but i was never interested in it's like oh this symphony and this opera and this thing and i just didn't care yeah um and i still don't really care um yeah <laughs> um and and then whenever i went into 
contemporary world, it I was I knew all this music theory and stuff, and oh, all this stuff is foundational to the way that I make music. But then, like, people didn't care about that either, and so it's like, no, but like the complex chords, it all contributes yeah. to the thing, and how the and so how does your classical background uh, feed into your pop background? I think it just makes me know when to roll my eyes at people better. <laughs> oh my god i love that i love that yeah no there's something to be said about what melissa just said uh i think you know it informs your taste as a as Mm -hmm. a as a consumer you know melissa and i really appreciate great singing we really do and not Mm -hmm. to say that like people's unique voices completely turn us off absolutely not i think there are so many performers out there like like somebody like SZA for example whom I Mm -hmm. really love her voice yeah it's very different than what we do Mm. yeah um but yeah I think uh I I'm actually surprised sometimes at how little like technical language I have to communicate to Mm -hmm. our backing players who play in the in the backing band sometimes Mm -hmm. it just takes an, an adjective like ugh, or like that's yucky <laughs> for it to really yeah. resonate. That's really and and I think that it's okay to to have those moments and use those words to describe what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that if you are working with good musicians and people that you know and have mm-hmm. have worked with over time, it, it is that is kind of all you need. It's like oh, I need a little bit more er in this yes, thing, right? <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. It, and I think we've also discovered that anybody who, who tries to belittle you, if you don't have that language, probably isn't isn't um, flexible. They're just not flexible. And, and, and mm-hmm. the, the really great musicians that we've worked with, have n- we've never had a problem with that. They've never made us feel that we should know a little bit more. Right. You know, yep. it, they, it makes they a big difference. Our instincts. Yeah. Yes. It's a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that you guys do in your music that uh, is, I guess, un, unheard of normally. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, cool. There's like this sort of instrumentation or this kind of thing. Is there any sort of like, I don't know if you're like going for something or if, if it's just like, here's what we want to try and or I like this instrument being in the thing or I like this style being in the thing and that's just what we're going to do. Yeah, it's organic. There are, I think mm. there are songs that we write that we want to imitate other ideas or I, I, I think back to No King and Melissa had the great idea to bring in a Baroque cello that really, I feel like, tied the whole thing together. It was really, really remarkable. But that was just like, let's try this. That's my favorite word. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, the, and the more we started to embrace that term, I think we became more effective with with uh, being in the studio. Let's just try it. Why are we right. why are we worrying so much about whether or not it's going to be anything? Why don't we as soon as we listen to it, we always know. Exactly. So why exactly. are we so afraid to just listen to it? When did that get mm-hmm. canceled out? Oh, that's a no, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm right. not even going to attempt that. Oh, that sounds like it's not mm-hmm. going to work. You know what? If you have time, just try it and if, then you'll know. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. How do you tell that voice to shut up i mean i feel like sometimes yeah a lot of musicians that are 
trying something, mm -hmm. maybe you're like, oh, well, this would be too cheesy or this would be too something. Uh, what kind of allows you to let yourself get away with it? Well, for me, it's a lot of it's working with Brit. Uh, you know, I think it's when you're a solo artist, I imagine that you have to really ha fight that voice a lot. But when you have somebody else there, it makes it it makes it easier. Definitely. You know, does, this, does this idea suck? <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't suck. But what about if we did it this way? It's yes. It's, it's nice to have that kind of that feedback right away and yep. that encouragement right away. Bouncing ideas yeah. off each other. And also, I think just the general practice of, mm -hmm. art, you know, articulating what you feel. I, I remember feeling like I didn't have the vocabulary to talk to our drummer properly. And I was discouraged in a previous setup of the band from, you know, I was I was not given the tools that I needed at that time but then I realized if I just say I don't like it and that sound sucks they're gonna figure it out the, the people yeah. that are good and we, yeah. we just talked about that if they're if they're talented enough and if they're decent human beings yeah. they will do mm -hmm. that yeah um is there anything that you kind of won't do or kind of are afraid to veer into or is there something that like do you do you just want to try everything? <laughs> That's a good well, I guess it depends <laughs> on what yeah. is. Well, we we've been throwing some curveballs though lately. Uh we had we had to write well, we were we were offered an opportunity to write a song for a movie, and the song was like we were basically asked to become this band that we weren't, but Mm. And and write a song that we might otherwise find to be a little cheesy, mm. but we I think we ended up coming up with something that we really do like, even if it is so. I think the, what we have learned is that different from what you normally do, or different from your the sound that you have so far introduced people to, does not mean cheesy. It just totally it, you know you you become you you become adaptable and you if you're able to listen and process what your client needs, because sometimes it is that it's like, Hey, I'm hiring you to do this song. Do you want this opportunity to be featured in a, a film that millions of people are going to see? Or do you want to like not be cheesy? Which one would you like? Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, some people might call it selling out, but I feel like, uh, we, we have learned what that actually means. We have learned what that, um, what that yeah. means and selling out usually means I'm too lazy to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a yeah. that's a challenge. Challenges are good, I think, you know, and this was a unique opportunity, too, because we had a client who had lots of feedback. And so when it's just us, we're like, that's great. We love it. And I remember recording the first iteration of the song and everything was wrong. All right. And we had, you know, we were paying for studio time. We were not in the studio at that point. And then we had to re-record everything. I was in a different state. It was last summer. It was just totally nuts. But you know what? It was really it was a really good exercise. And most in most cases, the producer or the director or whomever is in the room with you, giving you real time feedback. This was a time difference he was in los angeles we were on the east coast and it was very difficult for that reason but again very good challenge and it was and we did a great job yeah 
Yeah. How how can you tell when something is wrong? I, I feel like a lot of times in I say this a lot, but a lot of times in the in the creation process and the recording process, it's a lot of chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, how do you kind of identify what isn't the statue? <laughs> Just doesn't feel right. There's something about something so basic about the feeling that you're getting when you're yeah. listening to something. And it, I don't know. It's beyond that. It's hard to describe, but... Mm-hmm. You just have that feeling of we either need more, we need less, or it's completely off. It's not yeah. – I don't think anything we've ever written or even, or workshopped is bad. But there's just like – there's like a fine fine-tuning and it's like an ingredient an ingredients in a dish that have to be very like precise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is your – songwriting process Ooh, mostly you wanna mm-hmm. uh, it's so if there is one. it's like yeah there isn't one there isn't one. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we just and it, especially now we're you know with not being able to be together and uh you know all, all of that all of the complications that come along with having to do all these things remotely i'm seeing even more now you know basically our process is we we um we focus on a story or an idea or like a, we maybe one of us gets a hook in our head or a progression in our head and then we share it with the other one when and if we feel like we're excited about it individually and then we build from there and the process can vary you know if it depends on if we have time together it depends on if we have uh musicians around it depends on uh, if I write lyrics in, in without taking fucking four months to write them, like it just, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's just a mixed bag depending on our situation. Like our, our latest single that we released, um, mother, we, uh, that, that was one of the first songs where we were like, we have this much time to write this. Actually, that's not true. That's we've had time constraints before, but this was like, we had two days because this was the only mm. t- amount of time we had with the producer. And that was our first time being in that situation. So, what we end what we ended up recording we sat on for months i mean close to a year before we ended up getting it mixed again um i think the meeting i need to go to another do i need to click another link to get to that oh no it, it just, uh, oh, what it just told me was hey we just got rid of the uh time limit, the limit. love oh, it nice. very amazing. cool they must they must have heard all this amazing content yeah they're listening <laughs> they're listening <laughs> but anyway just to wrap up that that anecdote it, it was um that was our first experience, you know, having this much time, we recorded this much shit and there was little doctoring of that original material that we could do. Um, so then when we came back to it, I don't know, about a year later, we did re-record some things. But then after all of that, we ended up going back to that original track that we had recorded, you know, on that time constraint and just got somebody who we really trusted to mix it properly and uh released a great a great track so yeah. but that was unlike anything we had done before so i think again again it really it really depends Britt, do you want to make sense of what i just said you make complete <laughs> sense yeah it's all over the place i mean i i would say my style i primarily start uh musically melissa is uh very a very good writer and a very great poet and i consider myself to be not that way <laughs> So I'm like, 
I'm just gonna let her do it. And we 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 both create vocal lines and we both create music and have ideas and sometimes we mash the two musical ideas together. But I always start at the piano. I always start pounding out some chords and then we'll just take a, you know, voice memo recording, send it to Melissa and uh, tell her, oh, I want to write a song about this. Or she says, oh, this is a song about blank. And so but we we take a long time sometimes unless mm-hmm. we're under time constraints, <laughs> which yeah. is such an interesting thing. If if we're given like two weeks, oh, man, we have a hit for yeah. sure. It's very mm-hmm. it's very interesting, though, because I think if it were if if it's up to us. It'll take a year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a funny thing that always seems to happen is that like there's there's a a pendulum of like caring too much and not caring at all. And it's if you if you have a time constraint that's just like, uh, well, here, write a song in a day, do it. And then you just like go for it. And then by the end of it, you're like, this is really cool. I like that. Yes. Or there's the other time constraint, which is like, I've been working on this magnum opus for my entire <laughs> life and exactly what it needs to be. Um, and either one works, at, but at the same time, it's like, what, at which point do you have to kind of let go of either one? Or when is it the right decision to be like, you know, it may not be perfect but i like right. It. right overthinking things which of course <laughs> i know we do yeah definitely and, but we and always I, we really have gotten better about reminding ourselves that we do that and uh i think i think we just have improved in in the overthinking like, definitely yeah not definitely. letting it hold us back as much mm-hmm. yeah um is there common themes that you guys write about oh yeah yeah, yeah. Taking down the patriarchy, basically. I feel like that's most of it. I mean, relationships. Mm-hmm. What else? Just, yeah, how, well, yeah, how we feel about things. But I think we, we, are, we embrace our weirdness in the way we communicate how we feel. Yes. And yes. try not to, try not to, uh, uh, we try not, to, we, we want people to understand us, but we also leave a lot up to our audience to figure out, like, you know, right. assume your audience is smart, assume your audience is uh, capable of feeling and assume that you don't have to explain everything. I think I remember getting that direction from, from a director. Like you don't yes. have to, to explain everything to the audience with your face. Like they get it. So totally. remember totally. remembering that when we're, when we're writing and performing. Yes. Yeah. Um, is there kind of a, a style that you lean into? I, I feel like some people might lean more, here's a direct story that I'm telling. Or sometimes it's like, here's just a tone poem mm-hmm. and you figure out what the heck this thing means, this mixture of words. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I feel like sometimes we have specific stories. Mm-hmm. I think No King centers around our experience uh, as women in a band and women in the world. Then we have Stay, which is about a very specific relationship. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that I remember singing that song the first time and this person who we sang about, he was right there staring at us in the front row. Um, 
<laughs> which was really fun, of course. Yeah. And then there's Cold Blood, which is like this crazy, like, death poem that takes place <laughs> in like Antarctica or something. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, again, we like to embrace our weirdness. It's yeah, really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, is there is there something that you are kind of eyeing in the horizon? You're like, I really want to try this thing, whatever that might mean, that you want to kind of stretch towards and mm-hmm. see if maybe it's ambitious or maybe it's outside of your range, but whatever it might be, what, what's something that you want to reach for? When it comes to when it comes to creativity and writing, I just don't feel uh I don't, I'm not concerned because we are always like, well, let's try this. Let's try that. What, what my goal is, is just to get fucking people to listen to us and hear us and come to our shows and get recognized by the music industry. And, um, I want, I, 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 I can't help but focus on equity in our industry. I don't really think as much about the music because that part is easy. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely accurate. Totally. There are, elements of like arranging songs that I'd love to try but holistically overall uh yeah I just try not to overthink too much about that stuff yeah yeah um well since we kind of went into talking about the music business and all of the struggles within what are what has been sort of the pushback that you guys get uh for whatever reason being indie being two women being whatever it is in this giant flood of an industry yeah giant flood that's that's a good way to (laughs) describe it i think you know our experiences from what from what we've discussed with other female artists are pretty par for the course there are some differences of course but you know showing up to venues and the sound person usually a a male will go talk to the other only other male in our band uh instead of one of us who is the band we are the band leaders um i think you know in talking with melissa about just how this industry works i think that there's a general trust of men and a general distrust of women when it comes to bands. <laughs> mm-hmm. What else, Melissa? That's a big one. That's one that you kind of just have to sit with for a second because mm-hmm. it's it's so it feels so right on the on the head, you know. Um, well, another uh, just something that, that comes to mind when, while we're talking about this, which might shed light on what I'm what I'm feeling uh we put together a show in Baltimore and we got a lot of pushback because we insisted on the bill being diverse reflective you know diverse as far as uh you know uh gender race etc you know all of the others in 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 our industry we we always try to to contribute to uplifting those artists because we know how that feels. And, um, I, I bring this up to say that we weren't, it was not easy. We were not, 
we were met with a lot of pushback and we were met with, oh, here's why you shouldn't do that. And here's why you should program this band of all white men because they have this draw and it always comes back to draw. And of course we understand like venues have their bottom line. We get all that. I don't need the numbers, but the fact is like who is willing to do the work. And that means maybe taking a little bit of a hit with your drink sales or your, you know, admission for one night because you want to uplift these artists in your community. Um, yeah, so those days are fucking over, though. I think we're starting yeah. to we're seeing some sort of wave coming through, obviously, yeah. with what's going on in this country and in this world. And that is first of all, it was never acceptable. Yeah. But now that shit is never going to be acceptable again. Yeah. And I think that people instead of shirking away from calling people out mm-hmm. are going to sing it from the hilltops whatever that yeah. freaking phrase is is yeah. probably yeah. inaccurate but they're going to we're going to hold people accountable now yeah. because you know even in 2020 that was still the case yeah i, Money, I did a yeah. uh, a screenshot months ago before things were going down with cancellations, I did a screenshot of two prominent venues here in Baltimore. I did a screenshot of all of the shows they had coming up. And I don't have to, you know, tell you what, what my results showed. <laughs> Very little representation. <laughs> and of course, now that shit's going down and people are posting their, I stand with black lives, I support equality. But I decided, okay, let me just go ahead and troll these motherfuckers for a second. And I put up all the screenshots and said, thank you for your statement. It really means a lot that you stand with black lives. But I just want to show you these to remind you that, like, you got to do better. No response. None. Oh, really? No response? No response. Wow. Very <laughs> interesting. Know, I'm one, not surprised. One, a radio station uh, p- put up a, um, a oh, they, they never said anything explicit like we stand with Black Lives because they're cowards. But they did put up something that was, um, we're going to play the music of uh, Motown like today because we're going to support these voices or something like that. Something very benign. And I wrote, how about... <laughs> How about playing on their Instagram or something? How about playing the music of local artists now, local artists of color now who are who are making music and supporting those musicians? Are you going to do something like that? And they just responded, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I mean, great. You answered the question, but yes. fuck off, you know? Oh my gosh, uh, I, really, I love it. I really do hope those days are over. And I, and I hope that, um, you know... It, I hope it so. It feels a little scary to stand up to those people, but I hope that fades. Yeah. I was, you know, I was reflecting on I'm, on that. Go ahead, Santiago. We've been talking a lot. Oh, well, I mean, I think that uh, I, I do also hope very much that those days are over. But uh, at the same time, it's like every time that we think we make progress, uh, we find ourselves uh, very complacent yes. after the fact and kind of fall right back into this pattern of like oh well yeah i mean it's these are the popular things and these are the the people who get the money and these are the people who get the listens and all this stuff right um how i guess it's it's just this this weird self-fulfilling prophecy that like uh we all i don't know are convinced that uh yeah, well, this is the music that'll go and this isn't the music. How how do we kind of fight that mm-hmm. other than uh 
other than just kind of like calling people out, right. which is successful in its own right. right. But, it, but then it's also like, how do you kind of make the rest of it good by itself? Not even having to be like, oh, well, this is diverse. Right. So listen to, but just like, this is good. So listen to yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's, I don't know what, which I don't think, I don't think people know how to prioritize that right now. Yeah. Mm. They don't know. How, they don't. They can't make that differentiation. But I think what would help with that. I think this is answering the question. Is that there are there's just not only better representation with as far as the artists, but of course the people in the positions of power. That has to change too. It can't just yes. be like we can't leave it up to, you know, a bunch of white guys to say okay mm. we're going to change now. Right. There they ha- there has to be accountability for these people besides the artists yelling yes. at them and saying, you're not fair because we're just, yes. you know, again, in our little, um, whatever bubbles to screaming at each other about how unfair it is. And yeah, it <laughs> is. But when is, when, when are we going to be able to get FaceTime? Exactly. Exactly. It's the people, it's the people in power who are the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, we are also in power. We yes, are we many, are. many people. That is very so true. We're, we're capable of, of pushing back. Um, I think that that's something that is underestimated, the fact that, like, we just have the numbers. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> and, you're and absolutely right. To, you're absolutely right yeah. about that. I, and I for, tend to forget that. So it's good to be reminded. Mm. Yeah. But, but it is like we... I lost my train of thought. Someone <laughs> well, else that's talk. easy to do when we're talking <laughs> yes. about all this stuff. I understand. Oh my gosh. Totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I think, uh, so the other path that I went down in my head is, uh, it's, it's hard to make a, a kind of local industry grow outside of its own, kind of insular base. I mean, I'm in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and I don't think anyone outside of Oklahoma knows about an Oklahoma music scene (laughs) that isn't the flaming lips. Uh, Um, and so the, the music scene in Oklahoma is very much like the musicians are the people who go to shows and no one else does. And so it's just like everyone kind of supporting each other, but there's no one outside of music going to see music. How do you kind of grow past that as a culture and as an industry? Well, I think one of one, one idea is to put together some sort of show or event that brings in all types of performances or acts or something that would appeal to a broad audience. Uh, we did a show a few years ago that had comedy uh, and music together. And I think it, brought a lot of different people out uh of course that's all you know performing you know this doesn't go beyond that uh but we're seeing a lot of these sort of curated events popping up um Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of these so we did a also did something on in november where we did the whole talking heads um live album stop making sense stop making sense exactly Mm -hmm. that i think People who just listened to that, who are obsessed with that, who know about the film, were very interested in coming out. So it's that's one idea, one idea of many. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it all goes back to the both of those both of those ideas and and shows were this cross uh, cross genre, I guess. Idea, mm-hmm. you know, you got, you got the. It's kind of like how opera formed. <laughs> Let's bring it all back. <laughs> but you know, cro- crossing all these disciplines, people were like going ham about orchestra, ballet, singing. Okay, boom. Let's bring it all together. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's this event. It was this social event, and somehow, I know it's hard for us to imagine that as musicians, but like somehow that uh, that has uh people have stopped seeing that as a as a social event they've stopped seeing it as mm. a way to gather and uh and support a community at least yeah. at least it seems that way maybe now it will change because of how uh, how cooped up everybody's had to be and yes, the totally. immense loss that we've all, we're all experiencing right now maybe it will change but i i do think it was it's just be, it became a hassle for people to go to yeah. attend things yep <laughs> and maybe what and uh, and sorry oh, not to, but and i and also what we were just talking about if if you don't feel supported and loved you know as a person of color as a black person why the fuck are you gonna go support an, an industry that doesn't give a fuck about you mm-hmm. that's another yeah. thing so um there i think there's a lot of that um that segregation in our at least in baltimore you know mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. shows are attended by who mm-hmm First, yeah, first Thursdays are certainly well attended at WTMD, but does when you look mm. out in the crowd, you see a sea of white faces. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and that kind of goes to the question I was going to ask, which is like, what kind of, what characterizes the Baltimore music scene, in your opinion? Hmm. You could write a book. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> Melissa says something. She hits the nail on the head. It's segregated. So you have the Baltimore club scene where predominantly people of color are playing those shows, attending those shows. And then you have kind of this dad rock, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Americana, um, you know, a big a big radio station here in Baltimore. WTMD uh, is, you know, going out with mostly artists that are white who appeal to a very specific audience. Um, So, you know, when we put shows together, we love bringing all genres into the mix. And because we know people are going to like things from each set. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look for that broad appeal. But... Saying all of that and going back a little bit, I think that the Baltimore music scene is a, is very supportive. Mm-hmm. We all support each other and uplift each other and are there for each other and collaborate with each other, which is, I think, very unique to this city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, guess, I don't know if, like, someone else can say it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then, I guess, going more on the... I guess more business side, but it's uh, something that I'm noticing as I'm, I, this is kind of a side story about myself and where I'm at, but like the, I work for ACM at UCO, which is a a school in Oklahoma city that the manager of the flaming lips started. And he's been having these masterclasses since like 2009 and bringing in industry professionals 
Um, and I, it's my job to go through them and produce them as podcasts and cool. uh, transcribe them and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, and what I'm kind of noticing as a pattern is that like, there are uh, musicians who are just really good musicians in general. And like, that is kind of what catapults them to their success. But a lot of times it is a huge combination of like uh, management and record label and knowing the right people and all this sort of stuff. What sort of, in, in your guys' opinion, contributes to an artist's success? I think a lot of what Britt was just talking about with uh, supporting your community of artists, I think is pretty integral to artist success. And I could be totally, I could be saying something totally naive right now, but I, but I believe that, that um, lifting up other artists and, and learning from other artists and building up your community is so important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of it is who, you know, um, less what, you know, um, and just networking like crazy just meeting everybody you can and doing whatever you can to just put yourself out there and attend shows and yeah. listen to other artists that you may not listen to normally and connect with them on social or send them an email. Yeah, which is, you know, basically uplifting however you can. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, learning and learning from what them even if it if you're like fuck this what is this shit but everybody else likes it <laughs> like you've got I, I, if i've learned anything in the last few years it's that just because i think it's bullshit you know who is the fool me thinking it's bullshit or everybody else who loves it i've totally. got to recognize even if i don't particularly care for a, an artist's music i've got to recognize and respect what they've accomplished yes um, right. so you know remembering that and like some some degree just always being open to learning from, from your yeah, yeah. Yeah, colleagues. Unless they're assholes. Unless they're assholes. And, and it's so obvious. And when they're assholes, yes, bring on the hate. Let's bring it on. <laughs> Talk that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, dang it. I had a train of thought and then I lost it again. Uh, which is good. Cause I mean, it, it just means that I'm interested in what you're saying rather than trying to find other things to say. But uh, <laughs> Um, do you guys have a manager? Uh, does that contribute to anything? You're, you're looking at them. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. We're the managers. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that like, it is a hard thing to be an artist and then kind of manage the business side of things, manage the booking, manage the touring, manage the whatever, yeah. the, the studio time and all that stuff. How do you kind of balance all of the... There's no uh, balance. There's no balance nonsense. at all. It's, <laughs> it's totally draining and it's it, it totally takes away from our creative time. However, the payoff of what we know and how we are empowered as businesswomen is totally worth it. I mean, I feel like if somebody came in and, and, and like grabbed my larynx out of my throat, Indiana Jones last te or Temple of Doom style, um, <laughs> I would know I would have something else to do. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I think about I think about yeah. us running a series sometime or like a venue like we would do it. We would just crush it because we've learned so much running the business aspect <laughs> of out calls. And that's comforting in that way to be like, OK, we could do this. Right. And we've and we've gotten 
a lot of we've of course talked to managers we've picked brains over the years and like really sat down and had conversations with people like legit people and um gotten some good advice but at the end of the day it always comes back to like we this is something we have to do right now for ourselves like it's hard work but we have to continue doing this we can't outsource this right now we're just not in, yeah. a, in a place to I do think, that. I think a common pitfall, too, with artists is that once you get a manager, that's it. You don't have yep. to do any of this other business stuff, whereas, <laughs> like, you have to maybe do twice as much mm-hmm. when you have somebody else kind of hustling for you. So yep. that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Totally. Yeah. And I do feel like this is this is something that I struggle with because, like, yeah, I don't have a manager, but I'm also just me. And I feel like I have a harder time kind of pimping myself out rather than whenever it's, like, a band and you have a name in front of it. Mm-hmm. It's not as much of, like, hey, listen to me. I'm important enough for your time today. Rather, it's like, hey, this is a thing that I'm involved with. You, you should check it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, so, I mean, the, at least there is a little bit more of a disconnect and you're able to kind of, uh, promote it as something kind of other than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you guys notice in kind of your branding or videos or whatever that really catches people's attention, uh, and kind of separates you from everything else? Paul, it's polished. Polished. Mm. It's content heavy. We're always doing photo shoots. I mean, you know, before COVID, of course. Always like just getting photos so we could promote our stuff online, um, you know, or have album art, collaborating with people, just kind of really getting content, having content on social media. Mm-hmm pushing out a music video or a song like once every six months. So people mm-hmm. don't think we've died. Just being strategic about that, I think. Yeah. yeah. And being ourselves very much being yes. ourselves, you know? Yes. Um, how has COVID affected the whole endeavor? <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We've we managed to write a song at the beginning of everything, which was pretty impressive. But yeah, no, at this point, obviously Melissa and I are not quarantined together. We've seen each other from a distance, but uh yeah. This is it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um what I mean, it's it's kind of funny cuz we think that like oh we're just stuck inside we just get to do all the things that we've been meaning to do and it's like fuck that sometimes we don't uh right (laughs) uh have you have you been able to get some of the the cool things done like hey here's a new song that i did during quarantine or or is it just like "Ah, i'm just binge watch some netflix well there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing completed yet but in the last in recent weeks we have you know rolled back over like okay let's um let's talk about mm. some ideas and let's not rush ourselves. Um, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah, we've, we've really taken the time. It's been hard. It's yes. been really, really hard. And I think, yeah. and I, and that's what I'm grateful that, you know, I am in a band with somebody who understands that because 
I feel like if I was being pressured right now, I, I would just lose my shit and I might yeah. quit music altogether. You know, I don't yeah. know if that might be, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't, people need, everybody's different and people need their time. Some people want to like bang out an album and others are like, I just need to think about what the fuck totally. I'm going to put it's on been a, Yeah. It's been an adjustment, I think for everybody, every single mm-hmm. person. And while there have been moments of creativity and feeling that spark, for the most part, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get from day to day. And slowly but surely, that stuff is coming back. But only now. Yeah. After right. three, four months, basically. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know how long we've been in this. It's so, been so crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, it's it's hard enough being a musician in general and then just getting rid of the in-person aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, has there has there been an endeavor to kind of uh, try something remotely anyways or trying some sort of live stream sort of thing? Have you guys thought about that? We haven't thought about the live stream because that all happened in like the first two weeks of this and it was just like overload, crazy mm-hmm. overload. Yeah. But we're talking now about maybe doing some socially distant porch jam concert session as a benefit Mm -hmm. for an organization in Baltimore, which I would I think would be is a great thing that we can do. It's outside. People can keep their distance, stay safe. And we're starting to the wheels are starting to turn about, oh, here's the stuff that we can do for an EP um sitting down at the piano plunking out some stuff we have so much stuff but i as melissa said neither of us wants to pressure the other one to do anything when it's just like let's mm-hmm. take some time we're, we 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 can do this you know yeah. at any time yeah. let's just take care of our families take care of ourselves and that's that's the most important yeah. And thankfully, I think we for us, our timing with re- our latest releases have been was perfect. Like there's there's very little guilt associated because we just released a song and we just released a music video. And that helps because, yes. you know, it's like we did something we have. You know, we don't need totally. We don't need to rush. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody's going to forget. Um, <laughs> there's nobody's no. going to forget. And, and no. also yeah, yeah. it's different when everybody's going through it at the same time. Um I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Santiago, but when even when I see people releasing music right now, I'm like glad for them, but I have no interest in even listening to it right now. I'm like, <laughs> I got to go fucking rake the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it is a little overwhelming too. And uh, even even just looking at like my podcast feed uh-huh. that like I'm not driving now. And so it's like I have just like, I'm like two weeks behind on podcasts uh-huh. and it's just like, Oh, it'll take me like a month to catch up to this. Yeah. Uh, and even, even that little thing of like, so, so yeah, artists that are releasing new music is a little bit uh, scary looking in a way too, <laughs> that, that it's just like, look, I don't have time to like, we think that we have more time, but it's really, it's just like, I don't have the, the, the space in my day now right. for the sort of, idle things that I, I used to have while I was uh, driving or go, going to lunch right. or something. Yeah, right. that's, that's a, makes a good point. Uh, the, the space for music 
Right. Yeah. I want to, and uh, I want to, I want to consume these kinds of things socially with my people. I want to mm-hmm. be like, did you check out that yes. album? Let's talk about it. And you know, finding the motivation to do to do that. You know. Yeah. I'd rather go uh, cry in the shower. You know. <laughs> <laughs> The state of the world doesn't help. Like if we were probably in a little bit more of like a secure point. This is a great point. Politically and economically, maybe it wouldn't be as bad, but also yeah. like. You're so right about that. You're right. right. Now. You're right. right. <laughs> I, I, we, I feel totally abandoned by, you know, our leaders. I feel like, especially now, like with um, the, the, the like lack of care and, and just kind of like, oh, well, we're just not going to talk about this being a problem anymore. Meanwhile, like more people are dying. Uh, I, I feel, and I had, I never thought about it like that. I just kind of thought, okay, this all sucks, but yeah. What would it be like to be in a, in a place right now where you're the people you elected into office care about your mm-hmm. well being? What would that be like? Or to feel like there was some next step to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I'm sure it's probably that way. And maybe in like Scandinavian countries that it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you've, like you have your paid time off, you have healthcare, you have all these things. So it's like, you're good. Just like, be careful guys. Yeah. Right. And it's like, all right, cool. Thanks. <laughs> totally. Usual, I guess. Totally. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess a couple more thoughts. Uh, is there a, a purpose to, a distinction anymore between EP studio albums, singles, or is it all just kind of like, here's the output of the thing. What, what, what does it mean to put out an album versus putting out an EP versus putting out a single? It's a great question. I think, I don't know if like, I hear that EPs and albums, like as long as you're putting something out, people really like that. That's good. Um, I've heard albums described as like, I can't think of the word. Just like vanity project. Van- thank you. Vanity, vanity projects. Project exactly. Yep. And if we have, if you have material for an EP, I think that we, I consider that an album. Honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And I think singles. It's like I just want to hear what people are working on. Yeah. 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 I think it's a good question, but it and it go it goes back to like where the industry is right now and streaming versus people buying physical things. I mean, it's just buying buying physical buying physical media right now has become more of a a thing of the past uh Mm. i mean with the exception of vinyl i suppose but overall you know people are consuming stuff on spotify they're consuming singles so i think to stay afloat depending on where you are as a band you know but to stay afloat and to stay relevant of course the strategy of releasing singles is fine it's totally fine um releasing an album fine but when you think about the cost uh, artists like us we can't afford to put out an album yeah so so true yeah it's it's just whatever your strategy is if you've got the money to put out an album why not but um otherwise like how how are your how are your materials better better used can you like we have to space shit out because that's just where we're at right now <laughs> yeah um has the medium change of like people not consuming albums and people streaming everything has that changed your creative output in sort of how you approach the 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 output of well instead of doing a whole album which people won't consume over time it'll be less profitable or whatever that might mean uh has your approach changed based on the medium I don't think so. I think if anything, I just feel less pressure. Mm. How has Baltimore 
reacted to COVID differently. Cause like I was just saying, Oklahoma doesn't really seem to care mm -hmm. about COVID. Uh, and I feel like even the like musicians are itching to go out and start playing stuff again. Mm -hmm. And I'm still just like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm going to be running sound at a church uh here in a like next week mm -hmm. i'm still like uh, i don't know right. yeah yeah totally i think uh baltimore i feel like has taken it very seriously i for the most part i mean the people that i'm around i feel like have taken it very seriously mm -hmm. um i went to see my mother back in may i think uh and she lives in connecticut and in a big hot spot where there are a ton of cases and, you know, it's right on the edge of New York City. And I feel like people just didn't, were not paying attention. They weren't wearing masks. Wow. And I was, I was really shocked at, I was really shocked at how pe little people were taking it seriously. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I've been in the house. It's hard to like, <laughs> just say who's taking it seriously and who isn't. Uh, but I agree with Britt. I think you know, when at least the outings that I have made with going to the grocery store or, um, you know, I, I have a church job that I still go to on Sunday mornings because it's live streaming and it's I'm the only one in the sanctuary. The organ players in the loft. So we have no contact. Um, mm. And, you know, I I have I had noticed there were some people getting pretty close that didn't seem to be distancing like the people up on the altar. Um, but you know, then I would go into the liquor store on my way home and everybody was wearing a mask. They only let 10 people in at one time. Mm. There was the people were wearing face shields. So it's just like, it just depends on the neighborhood. It depends mm -hmm. on, yeah, people's knowledge of what's going on. And yeah, of course I'm, I'm mad about, about people who don't care, but now I'm just starting to realize like they have no fucking guidance. They have, they have somebody telling, they have people telling them like, oh, everything's fine. We can open back up. I mean, their government's literally opening the state back up. Some people like have mm -hmm. no choice whether or not they can go back to work or collect unemployment because their unemployment's going to get canceled if they say, no, I don't feel safe going back to work. Mm -hmm. It's just such mm -hmm. a fucking mess. But yeah, yeah uh, so I didn't really answer the question. I just went on a rant, no. but it's, <laughs> it seems like, it seems like there was a lot of care and the streets were quiet for, for a few months. And then, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, people are uh, starting to just get frustrated and they want to go outside. They want to socialize. They want to go to restaurants mm -hmm. and that's yeah. what we're seeing. And myself included. I mean, I went out to Shenandoah national park a couple of days ago and I went to Assateague yesterday. And of course, like, wore masks distance didn't like go you know packed all my own food but you know i'm still going out i'm still like not doing do, like on lockdown how i was in february march april may um so yeah or no it wasn't february it was march whatever ever what is time yeah. to what is time <laughs> but yeah it's it, the other the other aspect of that is like how can we safely go back to what we're doing so it's like yeah. i want to respect people making the decision to go do things as long as they do them safely. Um, mm -hmm. But what about, what about people who are just going about, uh, you know, business as usual mixed in with right. those people who are trying to be safe. It's like, everybody's still at risk when you do that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, here in Oklahoma, 
I see uh, like the proportion of people wearing masks to people not wearing masks is like you rarely see people wearing masks, mm. which is scary. Uh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, me being a singer, you guys being a singer, it's like, hey, I I would like to keep my lungs yeah, for totally. a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How about that? Um, so, I mean, yeah, it it is a little bit scarier, but I don't know, maybe just over time, people are just going to like disregard it even without the vaccine and be like, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, right. Because I guess when you don't get it or you don't think you have it, let's like, uh, then you, yeah, maybe you just like have this feeling of immunity, you know? I don't totally. know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, I, but I know I feel <laughs> shamed if I, you know. If I forget my mask and I'm yeah exactly, I feel like fuck. You know, I'm digging in the car to see what donation Mm -hmm. bag I have that might have a T-shirt I can throw around my my face. I just feel too ashamed. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's definitely the opposite here. It like you are in the minority if you're wearing a mask. It's like wow, that person's wearing a mask. So it's it's like it it feels it feels the opposite direction here in that. I feel weird wearing a mask. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, So, I mean, so it goes. I mean, it's, it's not like Oklahoma is very high on the totem pole for like education and all that stuff. So like, (laughs) well, I wonder how it's going to affect. I just wonder, I wonder what's, what's the first show going to be like. (laughs) Right. When and what is it going to be like? Is it going to be outside? Mm. Are we going to be feeling nervous? Are we going to, feel pressure to do it i just Mm. yeah my my guess would be that it would be churches first Mm -hmm. uh because that's how they get all their money anyways yeah uh they want all these old people to be here in person giving them money um because they don't know how to use whatever electronic forms of tithing or whatever they don't want to give the computer their card uh and so churches do need to i feel like they're feeling the most pressure from this Mm -hmm. uh because it is literally an entire economic model that is based around people gathering in a space Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so and that also involves music Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah a a church that i run sound for is already trying to they're they're going to do some live streaming type stuff but then not that much farther out afterwards they're gonna start opening it up so mm-hmm. um but the, and they kind of have to yeah. yeah and so i think that probably bars and clubs and venues are gonna start feeling that too and i think the pressure economically is probably going to be far greater than the the fear and so it's like yeah i, I get sick and i'll i'll be i'll be out for a month but like at least i'll have like my job afterwards mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, but if you like, if you go bankrupt now, you're bankrupt forever. So like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like now I'm rambling. So uh, no, it's totally fine. I, <laughs> I, to, I, I am uh, too. I am too. It's hard not to, to, <laughs> to, to add at least this podcast. Uh, where can we find uh, you and your things uh, either as out calls or uh, individually? You can go to outcallsband.com. 
Don't type in out calls in a Google search. You might find something that you weren't expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and we have links to all our social on our, our website and places to listen to the music, uh, places to purchase the music. Uh, Outcalls.bandcamp.com uh, is where you can buy a bunch of merchandise and our music as well. Yes, we have great merch, great T-shirts, um, buttons and things like that. A for music Fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also that. <laughs> um, and then I guess you guys individually have your own lives outside of alcohol. So if you want to promote those things too. Sure. Um, you can go to BrittOlsonEcker.com. Bet you don't know how to spell that. Because I have <laughs> 7 million names. Um, but it's B-R-I-T-T-O-L-S-E-N-E-C-K-E-R. Dot com. How do you remember yeah. how to spell your name? I have to practice it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm at melissawimbish.com. Uh all everything of course of mine has been canceled like as far as classical stuff. Um but there is there is a possibility I'll be performing with the BSO in November if that's still on. Um, Woohoo. So we'll yeah, see. I hope so. And uh yeah, yeah that's all of our music is on Spotify as well. If you want to take a listen to that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some composers need to write like more like one to two people operas. Yes, totally. That'll help. <laughs> so it's just like, well, the, all right, the cool, one, let's yeah. just have one person on stage right. and we'll just stream it or something. The, the one, uh, the, the one tweet that I noticed recently was like uh, that I've seen a few times pop up is what are all the want mono dramas for, for singers? Like, please mm -hmm. leave a list here. I'm seeing that pop up more. Yeah. So okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, thank you guys for doing this with me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having <laughs> us. It's been great to talk to you. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. I have an album coming out on August 8th. It is called Bloom. It will be streaming everywhere. The weeks leading up to the album's release, bit depth will be daily, which means that I will be breaking down every track on Bloom like a song exploder type thing. And you get to listen to the whole album before it's even released. But once it is released, you can stream it everywhere on Spotify, Apple Music, and all of the like. But if you buy it on Bandcamp, there are some bonus content there for you. So you have things to enjoy beyond just the music. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. We will have an EP and an album coming out later this year. That is a lot of stuff. And we're not even in the same state anymore. Isn't that neat? But for right now, you can listen to, stream, download, whatever. Our album, Too Many Damn Cables, it is completely improvised. Those other two pieces of content that will also be coming out this year are also completely improvised. I'm sensing a pattern here, but check that out. You can also download this podcast anywhere you can find great podcasts. You can leave comments, reviews. Let me know what you think. And I'm excited to show you who else has been on this podcast recently. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.